Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, back from a little hiatus, Mike Angelano, and joining me uh, for the first time in two weeks, Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, it is very nice to be back in your virtual presence talking about some Detroit Pistons basketball. Now that the season's over, a little bit of a wrap-up, but either way, very nice to be back. So good to have you back, Mike. Uh, the trio is strong. We we like it best this way. And, yeah, I'm excited. You know, when you have a season where there's no postseason to, to talk about for a team, I always enjoy talking about the offseason. We're going to talk about the season that just happened for Detroit, uh, but we're also going to talk a little bit previewing the offseason ahead for this franchise. No doubt an important one. I'm um, so excited to kind of look to the past and also – look ahead to the future in this one. And I'm glad I get to do it with both of my co-hosts. That's right. I know. I'm happy to have, happy to have Mike back as well. Uh, he missed the the debacle of me trying to end the, end the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It, it really just gave me even more appreciation for all the, all the good work you do, Mike. Uh, it's very much appreciated. And we're happy to have you back here. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it's over. Um, we are obviously going to have a lot more in terms of wrapping up the season on palaceofpistons.com. Uh, we'll definitely have some, some season review stuff coming up, and we'll definitely have more preview stuff coming up with the draft upcoming and free agency. Pistons have a ton of space to throw around potentially. We'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, it's even with, with the season winding down for the Pistons, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, Troy Weaver gave a, a great little mea culpa today, I, I thought. Uh, in regards to the Marvin Bagley thing, he, he said, I didn't give Dwayne Casey enough help until I, I brought in Marvin Bagley. And I was like, yeah, we know. We talked about it all offseason last year. So hopefully we, we will get a little bit more consistency uh, this offseason. Uh, but, Mike, happy to have you back. And let's get into things. That's a great idea. Let's get into things. But first, a word from one of our sponsors, and it's a – it's, it's one that we've known for quite a while, and it's Bet Online. And our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. And who are you picking to win the World Series? Might be the Tigers, might be the Guardians, <laughs> who are off to a Surprising start and the future MVP slash best player ever in Stephen Kwan. Well, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. And it's super easy to get started. 
head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that promo code is BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. Mike, that AL Central is tough this year. Uh, the Tigers are not bad, and they're probably the worst team in there. Like, dude, the, the Guardians look pretty decent. Uh, obviously, the White Sox have just a sick lineup. The Twins also, I think the Twins could surprise some people. If Byron Buxton can just stay healthy this year, look yeah. out. Like, they are not a bad sleeper pick to win the, the Central this year. Uh, we'll see how that works out, but I, I threw a couple bucks on them. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But Even, hey, even Sonny Kansas Gray. City. I know, man. Kansas City. It's, it's going to be a nippy. tough one. I, I love the Tigers. I think they're going to be really fun this year, but people who are expecting them to finish with like 85-plus wins, I think are expecting a little too much. That's a tougher division than they're, they're really young, and people give credit for. So They are, they are super young, um, but very talented, definitely. Okay. And, and it's, it's a very deep division. Uh, I picked the Guardians to finish last. <laughs> and that was pretty contingent on their offense being completely and utterly anemic, like it has been the last basically two years. But, you know, if uh, Stephen Kwan continues to get on base four times a game, uh, that may change. He has yet to swing and miss at a pitch this year. Oh, man. Uh, pretty crazy considering he's been on base like 15 or 16 times uh, in just like five games. So, uh, sorry, this is not the Tigers podcast part of the believe podcast network this is the pistons podcast palace of pistons podcast rather part of the believe podcast network so we will talk pistons basketball season's over for detroit they finished 23 and 59 14th in the eastern conference third worst overall record in the nba which again helps those lottery odds jeremy grant was limited to just 47 games with thumb and calf injuries and spent nearly the entire season in trade rumors. And I expect that to continue into the summer. Uh, Kate Cunningham really stepped up and Aaron put unlikely to win rookie of the year in our show notes. But, you know, I got to say it's pretty tight. Uh, What is not disputable, unlike the rookie of the year award is that Cade was Detroit's number one, that that was pretty much undisputable. Uh, down the finish, looks the part. We've said that for the last several months. He's looked the part of the number one option. Um, and that's what he's going to be heading into the offseason. The three sophomores being Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, and Isaiah Stewart started slow, but did finish very uh, strong comparatively. Killian Hayes off the bench continued to look more and more uh, capable, um, continued to be a very good defensive player, but looked a little more capable on the offensive side of the floor. And then we can't discount the uh, trade that the Pistons made at the deadline for Marvin Bagley. He did miss quite a few games heading into free agency, and um, the Pistons seems like they're going to want to keep him around based on some of the uh, reporting done by ESPN, as well as some of the comments that Troy Weaver has made. Um, so their cap number as a team is probably going to be lessened because they were taking on Marvin Bagley's uh, contract from Sacramento. They're probably going to be in the 8 to $10 million range if they do re-sign him. But season's over, fellas. I can't really believe it because I remember doing position previews not that long ago, but we are at the end of the road and now begins the offseason. So, uh, Aaron, any 
any you know overarching thoughts um, now that the uh, now that the Pistons season has officially ended? So I think in a vacuum, it's it definitely was kind of disappointing in a sense. I mean, you finished twenty three and fifty nine, fourteenth in the Eastern Conference, a top three or a bottom three record in the NBA once again, and. I know that there was talks about this team. Uh, they, they're a sneaky kind of team that can be a play-in team. Uh, we had those discussions on this same podcast last summer. Obviously, though, that, that didn't happen, and, and this season didn't go the way that maybe we foolishly thought it would. Uh, there were obviously a ton of injuries that played a factor. Kate Cunningham at the beginning of the year. Kelly Olynyk went down 10 games into the season. Jeremy Grant missed a ton of time. Killian Hayes was in and out of the lineup. There was, you know, the few weeks where COVID was hitting the roster. There was the Isaiah Stewart suspension. So there, were, Frank Jackson barely played this season. There were so many injuries from the top of the roster down that it was impossible for this team to ever really put a fully healthy group out on the court. And obviously that certainly played a factor in this team finishing where they did. You know, once everyone started to get healthy, once you saw – Jeremy Grant come back into the fold after his thumb surgery. Him, Sadiq Bey, and Kate Cunningham kind of formulated that quote-unquote big three, and the rest of the roster kind of formed itself around them with the addition of Marvin Bagley and turned them into a competitive group. So overall, the season was disappointing, but you did see the groundwork for a team that might get to the position that we talked about last summer on last summer's podcast, talking about them being that sneaky plan team. That's maybe where they get to be this upcoming season. That's probably the goal for them heading into the offseason is what do we need to do to this roster? We saw the groundwork. We saw the foundation for it uh, in Kate Cunningham, in Sadiq Bay. If we keep Jeremy Grant, that's another guy that's going to contribute to that. What else do we have to do? Where are the areas that we have to address? How do we make the most out of this top draft pick? to build that roster. And I think that's what the front office is tasked with in a very, very big off season. Um, But we did see some good things come out of this year. It's tough to look at it from, you know, where I'm standing today and say, look, they went 23 and 59. There's no, there's really not a way for me to say it wasn't disappointing overall but the things inside of it, Cade Cunningham, you mentioned it. He is Detroit's number one. There's no question about it. No, and no matter where he lands in the rookie of the year race, I think it's very safe to say that he is still the top guy for the future of that class. Like Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes may win rookie of the year over Cade Cunningham, but I don't think there's a player uh, from this year's draft class or last year's uh, that is as good as Kate Cunningham. And I'm very confident when I say that he is the guy on a very good NBA team. And the Pistons are lucky to have him there. The growth of Sadiq Bay, I think the, the way we saw those two fit alongside Jeremy Grant, after all of that talk about those three not being able to play together, that was promising. And then on the smaller side, right? you got to see what Marvin Bagley could do for this team. And where maybe, as Jasper's talked about very well, Bagley isn't the guy for the role. He is the uh, prototype of what you want in a as a big on this team. A jumpy, athletic big that can run the pick and roll, finish lobs from Kate Cunningham or Killian Hayes, 
and eventually maybe spread the floor, although that's not something that Bagley did efficiently and hasn't really done efficiently throughout his entire career. But inside of a disappointing season, there were some bright spots, and there's stuff to build with moving forward into, and I know we said the same thing last year, uh, but a very big offseason for the future of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I think the thing that's different between this offseason, though, and the last offseason, Aaron, is that you see who the offensive catalyst is going to be, and you can already see the steps moving forward. For last year, it was like, okay, we have these young guys. Hopefully somebody is, is going to step up. Hopefully Cade can, can add a little bit more. Um, versus this now offseason where you've already had the post-All-Star break to see exactly just what Cade Cunningham uh, is already capable of, even if he doesn't make a, have a huge leap next season. Like you said, I think it's pretty clear he is the guy right now out of this draft class that you want, uh, even if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year, which, yeah, you said unlikely in the show notes, Aaron. I, I agree. If he can't beat out Scotty Barnes for Rookie of the Month in March after putting up literally numbers that have not been replicated since rookie Michael Jordan. I don't see how you can win the award overall. Uh, That was baffling to me. Um, You can't get mad about it at this point because look, you got the guy. They can overlook him as much as they want in two, three years when Kate is the catalyst on a really good team. Are you really going to care who won rookie of the year? Nope. Not at all. Um, so, yeah, and, and you can even see post-All-Star break, the effect that Cade had on the offense. He had a positive on-off splits for the entire season. Of course, they were much better on the floor with him than off. But especially after the All-Star break, you really saw it. I mean, the Pistons had a offensive rating of 114 points per 100 possessions with Cade Cunningham on the floor after the All-Star break. Um, their net rating with him uh, off uh, their sorry, their on off splits with him. Uh, the net rating was 3.7. So positive. So you can absolutely see the growth already happening with this team. You can see how Kate can be the catalyst. Um, and also like you touched on Aaron, part of it is the front office learning from their mistakes, adjusting, doing something different, taking care and making the right personnel moves this off season. And you have to feel even with some of the mistakes that Troy Weaver has made, you have to feel somewhat confident because he understands that those were mistakes and he understands exactly the effect that they had on this team. Um, I, even if he didn't understand it going into last off season, now you feel like he has better perspective and look, the whole organization has to grow at the same time that Cade Cunningham grows and Sadiq Bey grows. Um, And I think you are seeing that right now, definitely in terms of the sophomores, there's some positives there. I thought Sadiq Bey was good. Killian Hayes, obviously the the three point shot is not all the way there, but you can absolutely see the growth in confidence. You can absolutely see the finishing at the rim uh, showing up a little bit more. And Isaiah Stewart, I mean, top 10 in defensive field goal percentage among players at the rim this year that is even if he is your backup in the future that is just fantastic so yeah a lot of things going on this season yes it was disappointing they finished under what the vegas projections had them at they were at 23 and a half they finished under so impossible to say it was anything other than a disappointment but even in a disappointing season you can take the positives going into next offseason 
Cade Cunningham stepping up and being the bona fide best player on the team in his rookie year is pretty awesome. And it is disappointing that they finished under the 23 and a half marker because I remember us talking about that. But we all picked the over, right? Uh, yep. We all picked the over. Yeah. Um, so look, Bet Online sponsors us. That does not mean we're going to bet on. Bet Online, you're correlate. welcome for that. You're welcome for that one, Bet Online. <laughs> right. Those two do not correlate. But guys, how would you assess Marvin Bagley's play um, in a Pistons uniform this year? Not, not if you'd sign him or not. Um, just how would you assess his play and his overall fit on the team? Because we we made a big deal about the Pistons needing a rim runner, just needing somebody who could do something offensively his I mean obviously the defense leaves quite a bit to be desired but from a pure this is what he did for the team this season and again leaving out would you sign him or not how would you assess um, his play for the Pistons this year he, he walked in the door and was immediately the team's best offensive big uh, in terms of scoring, that is. Obviously, you know, he doesn't do some of the things that Stewart does, like screen setting uh, and things like that. But finishing at the rim, you know, being a lob threat, he was clear-cut the number one guy as soon as he got off the plane uh, and came to Detroit. And I, I, he definitely brought some things to the table that this roster just didn't have. Uh, there are definitely some shortcomings, though, to his game. And kind of wrote about this in uh, our positional review for the big spot uh, that's coming out on Palace of Pistons, you know, either later this week or early next week. But there are some things that defensively were shortcomings for him that kind of helped offset what he did for the team offensively. And his basketball IQ defensively, like, is the first thing that jumped off the floor to me outside of, wow, this guy, it makes it easy to play him offensively because he just puts the ball in the rim and, and crashes the glass if he misses to try again but defensively his basketball IQ is something that is severely lacking he doesn't read offense as well he doesn't react in time and then on the other end I think that there are fair questions about his motor and energy level defensively and if you already are lacking some of the basketball IQ skills defensively if you're not playing with energy that combines to be disastrous and that that is what Bagley was at times uh, on the court for that team on that side of the floor. But offensively, he certainly opened up things for this offense that were so obviously needed. I mean, we talked about the need for a jumpy big for months on this podcast. And as soon as he stepped in, he made that type of impact on that side of the floor. Um, I know we, you know, you said not necessarily if you would resign him or not um, to t- necessarily, that's not a huge point of this conversation, but I, I, I'm confused on on how Detroit should exactly handle that because I think he did some great things offensively, but his defensive inability severely capped what he can provide for this team. Um, it was not it was a good trade for Detroit because they got to take a swing at a guy and it made other players uh, on the court better offensively. It opened up opportunities for Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes to open up the offense overall, uh, but his shortcomings definitely are a concern as a long-term play for this Piston team. Yeah, Aaron, I don't think you can – now, you have to with any – like, even with net rating, on-off stuff, you you have to have context. And part of the context with Marvin Bagley is after, you know, they acquired him, the team as a whole played better. So this does affect his numbers. 
But I don't think you can ignore that only one player on the Pistons had a had a negative. Uh, or sorry, only one player for the Pistons were the Pistons better with him off the floor for the season than on the floor, and that's Marvin Bagley. So just like you said, yes, he changed the way that the Pistons offense flowed. I think especially for guys like Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes, a lot of their growth as players throughout the season was directly linked to Marvin Bagley, the third being there. That being said, he, I mean, (laughs) they had a defensive rating of uh, what? A hundred and 114 with him on the floor. So He's basically a net negative with him and and Kate Cunningham on the floor together at the same time. I do think that we are probably on this podcast a little bit lower on Marvin Bagley moving forward than the majority of Pistons fans are. And I think a big reason for that is simply that not having that, that jumpy big guy on the roster was such a glaring omission for the first half of the season that just having him on there and seeing what that was able to do for the Pistons guards kind of skewed how people viewed his overall game because absolutely Aaron the defense is an issue um I'm not convinced I've seen people on Twitter throwing out stuff like they should give Marvin Bagley four years 40 million I do not agree with that at nope. all I do not agree with that at all and we will talk about that more but there has to be a lot more caution around him as a player I can appreciate what he brought to the offense um I can still, I think, at the end of the day, say I don't anticipate him being a good fit long term. Yeah, I mean, it was a low-risk gamble. And he basically auditioned to stay on the roster. And as as Aaron said, the offense was there. It, it was nice to see somebody who can go and flush a lob and finish at the rim. The defense is not good. Mm-hmm. He was hurt. And that does limit, um, well, because of the roster at the time when he was injured, um, he really missed out on an opportunity to have a more, uh, to have more involvement in those last several games that I think could have been important. Um, Obviously it's not going to skew everything, but um, it would have been nice to have him on the floor a little bit more. Um, That being said, Jasper, I totally agree. Even, even four for 36, four for 32, I'm not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that that's um, – I don't think – because even if you sign him to a contract in the 8 to $10 million range based on their cap after that, they're only going to have about $15 million left in cap space if, if they dump that into Marvin Bagley. The third, and I just don't think that's – I just don't think that's something that they should be pressed to do. Um, obviously, if they find something more team-friendly, that, that's a possibility. But I don't think we should be jumping at giving Marvin Bagley that much money. Yeah. And, Mike, I think you also have to question, again, like how much of the value that you think Marvin Bagley brought to your team is contextual. Because, again, the Pistons offense – was the worst in the league by far for the first few months of the season. It was unwatchable. So if you get somebody like Marvin Bagley in there who just makes you watchable, borderline okay, like they weren't great offensively with Marvin Bagley on the floor. They just happens to be like league average. 
So watching you go from the very worst to just league average seems like a huge jump in your offense. But I think it's important to note that they were not an elite offense with Marvin Bagley the third on the floor, and they were a very, very bad defense with him on the floor. It's, I know it seems like they were much better, but like it really does come down to they were so bad without him that anything from him was going to be an improvement. Literally anything, just being able to catch a ball. And so when you go into the offseason and they're thinking about throwing money around, I think that it is a context that especially the front office has to keep in mind. Marvin Bagley, the skills he brought to the table offensively were what changed the offense, not him. I I know that sounds kind of weird, but like you, you need a guy who does the stuff he does, but better. I keep saying it and I will keep saying it. And I am a little worried going into this offseason that they are going to overpay him um, based on how bad they were without him. Well, they do have a bit of a history of overpaying on bigs. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are, they are, they have that trait. Um, I hope that's not what happens or else they're in for some pretty, pretty rough karma. They're going to sign another big to a contract that he does not deserve. But Karma kind of goes both ways, but paying down your death, Mike, you <laughs> diabolical. Keep going. God, it's a master at work. It's like watching Michelangelo in action. Paying down debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payments. And as a new homeowner, this has become incredibly scary constantly. Uh, if you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer that way. You'll have just one due date a month, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Are you ready to apply? Head on over to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. And again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. You know, I may I may miss a podcast, but I don't miss a step, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we All right, we, 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 we really towed the line on talking about the offseason, but now we can go ahead and dive directly into the pool so this is an interesting offseason for the Pistons. And ESPN's Bobby Marks put out an article, I think 45 seconds after the season ended, uh, saying that the Detroit Pistons are a potential play-in team for 2023 and that their rebuilding process is really starting to show results. So this is a big offseason. Um, hopefully that offseason doesn't involve giving Marvin Bagley that much money, but we can <laughs> – finally dive into that so the Pistons have the top odds in the NBA lottery which takes place June 23rd that'll be here awfully quickly they can't pick worse than seventh they also have Brooklyn's second round pick so the top picks the guys that are likely to be you know the the regular stable of characters that Detroit is likely to see in the top three Paolo Bancaro Jabari Smith Chet Holmgren Jaden Ivey are the the usual suspects <clears throat> we won't even put in, in into the universe. If the Pistons don't pick 
in the top four. Uh, so we'll just glide right by that. My, well, Mike, let's, we should elaborate though, because there is still there. Let's be very clear. There is a better than 50% chance that they will not be picking in the top four. That is the way that the lottery odds work. There is a 15% chance they pick fifth. There's a 26% chance they pick sixth. And there is a 7% chance they pick seventh. So I think Pistons fans have to be, you know, they have to be cognizant that it is, it is a possibility. Their average pick is 4.1. That's their average draft slot going into this. It, it is. It is possible uh, for the sake of this of this podcast. <laughs> and our I think a, I think a full draft podcast. We sh- we should expound more on some of those five, six, seven type talents. Um, but for the sake of this of this exercise, because still picking in the top four, still the I guess as likely of an option or nearly as likely. Also, it's a little bit more fun. Um, <laughs> we just watched these guys in the NCAA tournament, and I've heard some scouts say that they hate the tournament for that exact reason, that some players go off in the tournament. It drastically changes their draft stock. But um, So let's start with the uh, draft a little bit. We'll have a small discussion on some of those names I mentioned. That would be Paolo, uh, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Jaden Ivey. Um, Jasper, do you have any thoughts off the top of your head? Like if, if the Pistons are picking right now, yeah. number one, who are you taking? Okay. Well, first off, I'm so bad at math. I like did the math in my head and they actually have a, like a 52% chance of picking in the top four. Um, but that's, math I'm not here. Jasper. I'm not here to do math folks. I'm here to talk about basketball. And if I'm talking about, Really, just from a basketball perspective, I think Pistons have to go highest upside. If you have the number one overall pick, you have to go Chet Holmgren. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I'm okay with any of those guys in the top three, four. I think that they're all flawed in different ways. I have questions about Jabari Smith's handle and, and defense. I have questions about Paolo Banquero's defense for sure. Um, I have questions about Chet Holmgren's ability to put on weight in his frame. Um, Jaden Ivey, same thing, like that shot. Can he shoot? Is it going to be like a, like a Suggs situation, a Jalen Suggs situation from last year where you really get scared off because he, he has that issue. Can he shoot from outside? And is he good enough inside? Um, fact of the matter is they're going to get a flawed, but highly talented player. If they can pick inside that top four, I will be happy with any of them. Give me Chet, but I'm not really going to argue with somebody that says they should take somebody else first overall. This isn't last year. This isn't, you know, you know, even before we got into talking about the draft, I was saying Cade Cunningham, number one overall, no question, no doubt. You know what I mean? Uh, this isn't one of those drafts. I'm, I'm open to the possibilities. Plug and play. I think Jaden Ivey is the guy that's the easiest to, to put in, onto this Detroit roster and, and see how he contributes to this team. Detroit's desperate need for help at the guard spot alongside Cade Cunningham makes makes Ivy the guy that is just really intriguing to me uh, right now. He's 6'4", handles the ball pretty well for a combo guard. He got better as the season went on. The shot is definitely a concern. Like, I don't love everything about it, starting from the form itself. Um, but he is just such an explosive athlete that – I, I, the Pistons could use a player like him. 
the other three guys are all, they are all like we've talked about this top four of this draft class. They're all flawed, but you can also see why each of them are considered top picks in this draft. They all have those attributes that are very exciting. Like Paulo is just a score. Paulo is going to come in and be able to score the ball inside from the mid range, even from the outside a little bit. I know his three point shooting numbers aren't great, but the shot is there that he's going to be able to do that. Uh, Jabari Smith, a lights out shooter could absolutely see him being a phenomenal fit with Detroit just for his ability to, to shoot the basketball. I think he's got uh, good intangibles to be a solid player defensively at 6'10". Like, that's the guy that should be able to impact your defense in a positive way. And then there's Chet Holmgren, who I think is definitely the most polarizing of all four of these prospects. Um, there are going to be people that knock the competition that he played at the college level. There's going to be people that scrutinize his performance in the final game of the NCAA tournament. Um, but you also have to look at just some of the statistical facts. Like this is a guy that shot about 40% from the three-point line and over three attempts per game. He averaged dang near four blocks a game. Uh, he is a, a, he deserves to be considered in that top flight of prospects. And there are the draft gurus and most of them have Chet ranked number one. And then there are a lot of other people who are afraid of taking Chet. And I can see both sides. Like I can see the case for taking Chet number one. I do think like he probably does have the most upside, but I also think that the legitimate concerns about how he holds up against NBA competition are fair as well. So uh, we've talked about that a little bit. I, it, all of these guys have their question marks. All of them can play. All of them would work on the Pistons. Um, I, I, I'm definitely intrigued by something like a Chet and Isaiah Stewart pairing mm-hmm. in the front court. Uh, but I would also really like to see Jaden Ivey play alongside Kate Cunningham. So, And then, obviously, the other two guys have their pros as well and their fits as well. But I don't think the Pistons can go wrong with anyone in the top four and uh, Jasper might need to get put in timeout for putting any, any juju in the air that the Pistons can't draft uh, (laughs) in the top four, because Pistons Twitter will lose their mind if that happens. And I don't want us to be getting blamed for it because we talked about it. Yeah. We got, we got spoiled from uh, moving up in the draft one time. Everyone loses their minds. Now we're like, we're we're entitled. We're entitled to it. I'll say this, Aaron, you know how I feel about chat homegrown. I'll, I'll compare it to, how I felt about LaMelo ball a couple years ago. He was my number one pick um, by far. I, I thought he was for me, the guy for the same reason I feel Chad Holmgren is the guy, because despite the questions about, I don't care so much about like your worst games. I care more about your best games. I care more about the elite skills. I care more about what are your high level flashes. And for me, when I saw LaMelo ball play, yeah, there was some bad stuff. But the good stuff was so much better than anyone else in that draft class could do that for me, it was like, I need to take a risk on that. I'll miss on the guy who could be the super duper star rather than, you know, miss on the guy who is good, but not great. And that's how I feel about Chet. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, Aaron, Mike, something that I'm wondering is how you guys feel about how much the draft uh, should affect the Pistons free agency direction. Like, how does that go? Because if they're taking a, a a big man 
Um, how's that going to affect their their free agency, especially in terms of like Marvin Bagley and potentially throwing a bag at a free agent this this offseason? I don't know if I necessarily. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say that I don't necessarily know if the Pistons, if there's a guy in free agency that the Pistons should necessarily throw a bag at this free agency class Mm. overall is pretty underwhelming to me. Like I do think there are guys like Deandre or miles bridges who would absolutely help this team. Like Aiton would be a a helpful piece for Detroit, but it's going to be very tough to pry him away from a championship contender in Phoenix. I would imagine he's going to get close to the max. If well, not what if the max? What if they don't? What if they don't give him the max and the Pistons do? I don't like, know. Do you, mean, DeAndre would certainly help, but do you want I, to commit the max to him? I I would. Yeah, I think he changes this franchise overnight because then you, you have. I mean, the defensive rotation with him and Stewart alone. My goodness, and then. I mean, like, that's really the thing. You look at, like, Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart, and you go, well, <laughs> if Isaiah Stewart could jump. Well, guess what? That's that's DeAndre Ayton. He's seven-foot, jumpy Isaiah Stewart. Um, I would, yeah, I'd absolutely take that all day. I don't care who you're taking in the draft then. I'll take Paolo. I'll take Jabari. Because if you put that one of those guys and Cade next to Ayton, whew, I just think you're cooking with gas then. I like Aiden a lot. I, I, I think more the than should absolutely explore him, and I agree with that as well. I would. I think the Pistons should absolutely try to get DeAndre Aiden more than they should try to get Miles Bridges. Um, I just, I just don't know if there's a legitimate shot of that happening. It's so tough for me to see him leaving Phoenix. I mean, the success that he's had there. You're you're playing on a championship contender. I I, I think like I think he's gonna get a lot of money from them. If even if it's just below the max, I think they're going to pay him. He has improved every year after people definitely came down hard on him after his rookie season. Uh and maybe he's benefited from playing with Chris Paul a little bit. Uh but that that is not the sole reason for why he's gotten better. And you talked about defensively what he does. Like he has definitely made an impact defensively that goes understated and I think that was something that he was not on uh, uh, before the draft, when he, you know, when he was a prospect, was people didn't believe in him defensively. And I, I think he's done an excellent job. Now he does play with good defenders in Phoenix, and the Pistons roster didn't have a great season defensively, but Aiden certainly has a lot of qualities that I think would thrive in Detroit. And I do like your comparison to comparing him to Isaiah Stewart, but having that ability to jump and Aiden has that nice sixteen foot jump shot. He, he takes very few three-pointers, but it's something that could get there, kind of like Stewart's three-point shot could sometime maybe get there. Uh, Aiden would be a phenomenal piece for Detroit, like absolutely phenomenal. I just don't know if he will leave Phoenix. That just seems like a very tall task for me. Like, why would a young prospect who's playing on a championship contender and is going to get paid decide to go to Detroit? Hugh, or any team for that matter. <laughs> Cue the apprentice theme song, man. Money, 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 money. So it's true. And Robert Sarver exists. <laughs> yeah. That that can't be discounted. If the Pistons um, are plucking guys from Phoenix, can they just 
grab Devin Booker and Michael Cam- Bridges. Oh, how about Cam Johnson too? I'll take Cam Johnson. Hey, Cam Johnson oh, was my draft darling. Aaron Aaron was a very big fan of Cam. That's Johnson. why I enjoy the Phoenix Suns so much. They got all the players that that I was high on. So I, I liked Cam Johnson coming out of that draft as well. He was he was definitely on my on my Pistons if, board. It was Brandon Clark and then like Cam Johnson was was on there as well. But if the Suns had Steve Blake and Mitch McGarry, Aaron would be hosting the Suns <laughs> podcast. No, Steve Blake might might have done done just enough to to get me off the board over there. Yeah, not not <laughs> Mr. Thrifty Robert Sarver. I, I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, let's see. So so I mean the Pistons do have enough to throw a bag uh at Aiton, though. I mean, if they renounce, let's see, if they renounce Hamadou Diallo, uh Marvin Bagley, uh who else? Well, they've got team options on Diallo, Frank Jackson. Garza and Carson Edwards okay, and, and Corey Joseph as a player option. And so, none of those players are movable until their options are either picked up or declined. So I, I feel confident in saying Frank Jackson, he gone. Um, Carson Edwards, Luca Garza, I think, I mean, we will see, but I don't anticipate them <laughs> clogging up the works for Detroit rushing to get them uh, back on the team. For me, I would not be surprised whatsoever if Frank Jackson is gone. I don't know if Hamadou is going to be back. That's a question for me. Aaron, Mike, how are you guys feeling on that front? Um, So he's got a $5.2 million team option. I've mm -hmm. I've got the salary breakdown up up here. They got $11 million in dead money between Zaire Smith, Dwayne Dedman, and DeAndre Jordan. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So – Hamadou Diallo has got a $5.2 million team option. Frank is at 3.1 roughly. And then Carson Edwards and Luca Garris are just, just under 2 mil each. So um, Marvin Pagley's cap hold is uh, 28.2 million. So I don't think that's going to be, uh, don't think that's going. <laughs> you don't to think they're going to pick that up. Yeah. Oh, I, I find that hard to, uh, I find that hard to believe. So will they keep Hamadou Diallo? I mean, it's, it's a tough question. And, you know, they do have some tougher financial decisions to make this year. Um, that being one of them, I, I, I would probably pick it up if I was Detroit. Um, I mean, I mean, he started what 29 games shot 49.6% from the floor, 11 points a game. I mean, for a team that could still use the wing depth, I think, I think it's worth, I, it's probably worth picking that up. I guess for me, I just look at him and Frank Jackson, and I say, I have Isaiah Livers on this team now for cheaper than both of you. I can't see both of them coming back. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah. I'm I think he's gone. I think, well, I think, and I think it's going to be Frank. He just didn't shoot well this yeah. year. And fact of the matter is, he's a career 32% uh, three-point shooter. Um, you know, I, I just don't see how he's back. I don't see how Luca Garza is back. I don't see how right. Carson Edwards is back. Um, yeah. So, but I think I think that Jackson is the casualty there. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going to pick between the two, I think they like Hamadou Diallo, especially with his ability to play the four. Yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. And I think Isaiah Livers is is probably the reason Frank Jackson's out of a job in Detroit. Um, Aaron, do you? I mean, do you have anything to add to there? Is there anyone that like? Jamorco Pickett is a restricted free agent. Do you feel like he's going to be back with uh, at least like the cruise next year? 
Um, you know, anything on that? Well, I don't I don't know how it would work to get Pickett back because he was on a two-way deal that's that is ending or is now ended at with this season coming to a close for Detroit. Uh, and they signed Braxton Key to a two-way contract. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna have one available. I don't know if they maybe try to get Garza to come back on a two-way contract to kind of keep him in the program. I don't know that Detroit gives up on Luca after one season and, you know, finding a way to get him on the roster originally. I don't know if they give up on him after just one year. So maybe that's an avenue where they try to keep him as they put him on a two-way for next year. Uh, I don't think Pickett will be back, uh, at least not on on an NBA contract. Maybe they bring him back on a two-way. Maybe he just returns to the cruise. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I fully agree on Diallo and Frank Jackson. I Frank definitely struggled to stay on the court this year and wasn't very productive when he was on it. But Diallo being a four only matters so much for this team. If you look at their rotation now where they have Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olenek, let's assume they bring back Marvin Bagley. Imagine Isaiah Livers is going to split minutes at the three and the four. What if they end up with any of Paolo, Jabari Smith, or Chet? Those are all guys that can play minutes at the four. Where I don't know if Diallo is, that is necessarily enough to want to spend the extra millions to retain Diallo. Heck, I don't know if either of them are on their roster next season. I don't think Detroit should be splitting hairs on keeping some of these end of roster guys. I think that they should be very willing to readjust the roster and go into free agency and and bring in new pieces. uh, If you believe there are guys out there, Uh, but I do think Detroit could use some extra depth at the guard spot. Uh, They're not going to bring back Carson Edwards. I, I don't think they'll plan on bringing back Rodney McGruder after trying to trade him. Uh, a couple months ago, but if Jackson is healthy, I feel like he could be a nice depth, you know, reserve option to have in case you need some minutes from someone. I don't want to discredit the season that he had last year for Detroit, but in reality, I don't know if either of them are on the team uh, next season. I think the only option that's for sure getting picked up is Corey Joseph. I'm very confident he wow. would pick up his player option. Oh, oh, yeah, because it was a player option. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a, I yeah, forgot. It's a player option. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was going to say, so, <laughs> team option, I would have been like, really? Yeah. Oh, God. Also, also worth noting is that for Kelly Olenek, his $12.2 million for 2023-2024 is non-guaranteed. So he's owed, I think, 12 point, just under 13 mil this year. Yeah, he's at 12.8. This year, but his salary will end up is non guaranteed. I, I think it's fully non guaranteed. I believe it's a team the, option. It's a it's a team option. I believe it is a team option. For the third year, year, yeah, it's a team option for the third year with like two point nine million guaranteed. Okay, so it's a partial guarantee. Yes. Okay, but but it's okay. extremely movable. I mean, super yep, super it's very very track at that point. I think it's very possible. I mean, you know. You talked about Hammy. I think it's it's just as likely that both him and Jackson are gone. If the Pistons are going to be, you know, clearing the deck for somebody like Aiton, I mean, then it's everybody is expendable at that point, except for a handful of players. So, 
Right. I mean, I'm not particularly attached to, to any of these. I mean, Jackson did have a down year. Fiala spent a lot of time at the two, but, you know, he just has the flexibility to be moved around the lineup. <laughs> but, but if Hami's like a four now, I mean, and you're drafting a potentially a four in Jabari Smith or Paolo, where is the room there? You have no room. You have to yeah, put him back at the two. Okay. And he doesn't work at the two. Diallo's so. then an end of roster guy that you're paying, you know, over five, five million dollars to. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking at the lineup data for Hammy, and it is things are things are going to change. It's not good. Things are going to change very rapidly after this draft, and and I think that that's something that we really need to know is like things. It's nice that things progressed at the end of the season, but let's be real. This is going to be a pretty different roster next year, and. Oh. Oh yeah. People need to to get ready for that. Like don't get too attached to too many of these guys cuz I have a feeling that a lot of them are going to be gone. Yeah. No, no, I'm definitely with you there. Um Yeah, I am I am definitely with you there. And we talk, we already talked about some potential targets, but let's just say that DeAndre Ayton goes back to Phoenix because I think that's still going to happen. Um where I talked a little bit about Miles Bridges, I agree. I mean, you got to be careful about who you throw a bag at. You can throw a, like a bag at Miles Bridges. You can throw a bag at Colin Sexton, who's coming off of a torn meniscus. I, I mean, there's, there's, we have already talked about this. We don't want to have the Pistons throw around money for the sake of throwing around money. Agreed. I think then another conversation needs to be had in that same, you know, discussion of, like Jalen Brunson, that's a guy that's been talked about and linked to Detroit heavily, and that's a guy that's probably going to command $15, $20 million a year. Am I wrong in saying that? Oh, guys, is it next season already? Can we just start <laughs> next season? I uh, Come on, let's go. Oh, this is going to be a big offseason, guys. I'm, I'm excited. I'm just excited. I mean, there's so many guys to talk about. You're right. Jalen Brunson. Um, I mean, Zach Levine still hasn't re-signed in Chicago. Just saying, <laughs> like, but that's actually a guy you throw a bag at. You, you're not right. supposed to actually throw a bag at any of these other guys. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I think a lot of this is gonna is gonna fall into place after the draft. Uh, right now, I mean, we just, you know, these are things to look forward to, right? These are definitely things to look forward to. Yeah, and it, it'll be really interesting going into this off season because you do get the feeling that there are a lot of moving parts here, right? Like what happens in the draft, where they fall. Um, who they take, who they throw a bag at at free agency, sure. that's going to make a huge, huge difference in who is back with this team and who is not. So last question before we wrap up the pod. Would you rather throw the bag at Colin Sexton or Jalen Brunson? Are they the same number? Mm. Um, yes. If the bag's the same amount, I'll take my chances on Sexton. I, I'm with you on that, too. I there's, I mean, Jalen Brunson can handle the rock and he can shoot, but so can Colin Sexton. And I know Jalen Brunson can't play defense and won't be able to play defense. They're like physically, there's no upside there on that end. Uh, unfortunately, Sexton doesn't. Really I'm not saying Sexton is I can either. Tell you, Colin Sexton. I'm, I'm not saying friend. he is, but he is at least young enough and has the physical tools to where I could see him being passable. Like, is there an playable. option for neither? Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. Well, I'm not crazy yeah. about either option if we're being real. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I would okay. take Sexton. I would say Sexton. I, I think that just I see 
more potential upside. He's still younger than Brunson. He he has yep. more upside, more physical tools. I will take Sexton, but that that, that imaginary roster spot that we're talking about being either Colin Sexton or Jalen Brunson is absolutely about to turn into Duncan Robinson. So John Beeline gets another one of his guys. <laughs> That's you know, I mean, wrap it up. We, we're done. We had, we had talked a little bit in our fear the sword chat about the Cavs going after Duncan Robinson because I think that movement shooting is something that every team in this league needs. And it was one thing Duncan can do is definitely shoot it shoot while on the move, but that's for another discussion. You guys sure you just want to, don't just want to do two podcasts in one week. We can just do a two (laughs) for one deal here. Back to back. Yeah. Well, we have playing games happening tonight, so we have to pick our podcasts, our, our podcast release dates carefully Mm because now with the playoffs about to start, uh, we don't want to be drowned out by, uh, you know, Goran Dragic coming back, which is now the news of Twitter for some ungodly reason. Um, it's big, big Slovenian influence on Twitter these days. I You see it more and more. Yeah. Cleveland, large Slovenian culture. <laughs> can't wait I'm for talking our, to, uh, I'm talking to you, Luka Doncic. Can't wait for our mid-June, early July, Russell Westbrook to Detroit podcast. And we'd like to thank all of you for listening to the Palace of Business podcast, <laughs> part, part of the Believe Podcast Network. We'll just move right over Russell Westbrook. Good night. Going to Detroit. Um, I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia, and I'd also like to thank our sponsors for this video, Bet Online. Again, super easy to get started. Head on over to the website. Use the promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And for Credit Karma, again, head on over to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. For my two co-hosts, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you very much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.